Amen. Please do be seated. Amen. All right, we're going to sing 147. 147. Two, three hundred and eighty-two. 
but let's take up an offering if our men could come to receive that. Uh, amen. Beautiful day today. Amen. Amen. Brother Richard, if you would, open it, uh, or ask the Lord's blessing on our offering, please. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this evening. We want to ask you to be with us all time and help us work in its intended use. And yes. Thank you for all your many blessings mm -hmm. given to us. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's finish up with number 216, 216. Get your Bibles and let's turn to the book of Revelation. 
We're going to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1. And I've had quite a few uh, questions about Revelation here lately and, and just uh, thoughts. And, and, uh, and so I thought it would be good for us to take and to go through, review a little bit. There's a couple things going on with tonight's message is, is this, is I plan on introducing this and then moving this series, if you will, to Wednesday night. And uh, uh, I preached on uh, Abraham on Wednesday night, I'll move that to Sunday night. But uh, one of the things that we're doing with our class is um, we're trying to learn how to do expository preaching. And in expository preaching, you're basically doing three things. Uh, to take and to come up with a message. You're, you're making observations. You're going in and observing things from the text. Then you're interpreting those things and then trying to make an application of what we learned from the text, okay? And, you know, a lot of people would take and look at the book of Revelation. be quite honest with you, I know preachers who will not preach from it. And they, they won't preach because they feel like it's speculation. You're going to see, I believe, the Lord has, uh, if you will, an issue with that here in a moment. I'll show you that. But, um, uh, and a lot of times people look at it because all the signs and symbols are too difficult to understand. And yet, in the very first chapter, it says God sent his angel with signs to take and to help us to understand the things which must shortly come to pass. And so, if you will, he wrote it to be understood. He didn't read it to make it a revelation or a mysterious book or something that is hidden from our eyes. No, it is now a revelation, something is revealed before our eyes. And so it can be understood, and it can be a blessing and an encouragement to us. And so that, that's my hope. I'm, I'm hoping that we'll get and, and we'll receive a blessing from this. To do this tonight, I want to begin by reading verses 1 through 8. And so, Revelation chapter 1. Verses 1 through 8, and the Bible says the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is one of those books where it would be good just to stop and pause and to see the title of the book. And right there at the very beginning it says the revelation, that means the, the unveiling or the revealing of Jesus Christ. Not just his person, but also his work, if you will. And, and so if you will, this whole book is about helping us to understand Jesus Christ better, Amen. A lot of times we, we think it's all about, if you will, uh, you know, what is taking place on earth and all the wars and different things like that. And what is this symbol and what is that symbol? Yes, those things are important. But you've got to remember that God is doing a work in the earth. And he's, he's, the Bible says he's going to make it a short work. It's not going to be a very long work, if you will. And, of course, he has a purpose and, 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 and everything like that. And so no doubt that will come out as we take a look at that. But notice again, if you will, that's kind of the title of the book. The Revelation, not the Revelations, but the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Studying this book, you'll know Jesus better, okay? And so if you will, the Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it. Another way of saying that, signified, okay, if you will. He, he sent by signs. That's what that word means. And he signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. And so, does God say it's important? Well, we'll see it here in a moment. He couldn't make it more clear, amen? The Bible says in verse 4, it says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you, and peace from him which is, and which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. All the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you for the privilege to, to worship you with our, our singing and our giving. And Father, we just pray now that you'd help us put aside cares of this world for a time. Speak to us grow our understanding, not just of this book, but Father of our, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who loved us, gave himself for us. 
And Father, we just pray that we'd honor him in all that we do here today. Father, also for the week ahead. Father, help us to realize that we live in a world that needs a revelation of Jesus Christ. Help us to be a vehicle of that revelation. Help them to see him in our lives. Help them to hear of him in our words. And Father, we just pray that uh, maybe even this week ahead, that you give us an opportunity to glorify you, to witness of you, and maybe even harvest some fruit by seeing a lost soul coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father, be with those who are apart from us. You know every need. And we'll ask this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And so what we see here in verses 1 through 3 is he talks about the revelation of Jesus Christ, if you will, the revealing of Jesus Christ. And he begins to do that immediately. Notice what the Bible says concerning this message. And it's this message all the way from Revelation 1 to Revelation twenty two twenty one, 21, the whole book, okay? And if you will, the Bible says in, in verse 1, notice what it says. It says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him. Amen? And so if you will, this is, uh, there's, we're going to see this here in a little bit. There, the Godhead is involved in this message here. And so in a, sense, in a sense, God the Father has given, if you will, this message to Jesus Christ to give to us. And then it says in a second, we'll see it, that he then gave it to John, who then gave it to us, okay, as, as a messenger. But notice, again, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him. That's talking about Jesus, okay? You remember when they asked Jesus that one question, they said, uh, what is the sign of thy coming? When are you coming? When is your kingdom coming? And you remember Jesus answered, he said, no man knows the day nor the hour. You, you understand, if you will, in a sense, that Jesus Christ, uh, by uh, coming to earth and and Taking on flesh, if you will, he had to limit some of himself, some of the things that he knew and some of the things that he did. And so, if you will, God is saying, now is the time for you to know. Now is the time for this to be revealed. And so the Bible says this revelation is given to him, if you will, to give to us. The Bible says, uh, if you will, again, in order, if you will, to show his servants, notice what it says, what must come to pass. And then it says what must shortly come to pass. Now, you might look at that and you might say, well, it's been 2,000 years and, and it hasn't been fulfilled yet. Uh, folks, it's already been fulfilled. Much of the book of Revelation has been fulfilled, amen. Uh, if you will, up to chapter 3 is being or has been fulfilled, okay? And so we'll see. Uh, you say, well, it's, it's not being fulfilled. Yeah, it must shortly come to pass. Uh, chapter 2 begins talking about the churches, and we'll see that the churches is to whom the letter was written, Okay. And so in a sense, churches pay attention to this and this and this and this. Why? Because these things are happening now. They're going to shortly come to pass. And so a lot of people might say, you know, where is the sign of his coming? Well, listen, he told you that it's going to shortly come to pass. We've got to believe the word of God. And we, and we can believe because it, it has and it will. Now, the Bible says the way that it was shown. Notice what it says again in verse 1. The Bible says, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, if you will. Now, I use a fancy word sometimes, um, a theophany or a Christophany. Have you guys ever heard me use those words? And what that means is an appearance of God or an appearance of Christ. That's what theophany and, and Christophany means. And it's usually talking about his pre-incarnate self, okay? As a matter of fact, one of the ways that he appeared unto Abraham was as his angel, okay? And so, if you will, God the Son, if you will, appeared to Abraham as his angel. So when the Bible talks about he sent his angel, he sent his messenger, he sent, if you will, in a sense, himself, his, his angel. Now, there's other angels, and then there's Christ's angel, uh, you can usually tell if they know by it's a capital A angel. Okay, I'm going to send my angel. He's talking about that's me, all right? And so in a sense, you remember, uh, in a sense, here's the message, son. And then the son takes it and he says, I'm going to take it to my servant John. And so he is the one that is sent and gives the, the revelation, at least this first part, to John. Uh, the Bible says uh, that there, if you will, his angel was sent and then signs were given, Okay. Now, a lot of the book of Revelation, the reason people find it hard to understand is it is a lot of signs. And you say, well, what do these signs mean? Um, if you're familiar, in the book of Matthew, God gives, uh, Jesus gives, if you will, seven different kingdom parables, okay? 
And he doesn't define all of them. You remember the very first kingdom parable, he says, a sower went out to sow, and some fell upon the wayside, and the birds, fowls of the air came and ate the seed, and, and then some fell on stony ground, and some uh, uh, rose up with the weeds and was choked, and other fell on good ground and produced some 30, some 60, and some 100. You remember that? And if you will, in both the book Matthew and the book Mark, he defines the terms for that first parable. He says, the sower is, is, is the son of man, and, and the seed is the word of God, and the fowls of the air are the children of the, of the, of the evil one, of the devil, if you will, amen. And, and they're doing all they can to keep the word of God out of the hearts, the soils, of the men of God. And, 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 and in a sense, he says, do you understand this? Yes, we understand. And he, and he says in the book of Mark, he says this, he says, if you don't understand this first one, you're not going to understand any of the others, okay? And so if you will, how many of y'all knew a bird was a child of the, of, of the evil one, okay? And so when he's giving his signs, he defines his signs. He's saying, I did it in a sign, but I'm going to tell you what the sign means, okay? And so if you will, a lot of times in the book of Revelation, when you see a sign, look for it somewhere else in the Bible. And then it'll give you the key to understand, okay, that's how you interpret that sign. I promise you, a lot of what uh, makes Revelation difficult is when people see a sign and they say, well, it must mean this. Well, please take this the right way. We can all imagine a lot of things it might mean. I'll give you the best illustration. The Bible talks about the kingdom of heaven is as a grain of mustard seed that when it was planted into the ground, it grew into a great tree and the fowls of the air lodged in its branches. And I will promise you this, that most churches today say the gospel is going to go into all the world and the church is going to get huge and everybody's going to be saved. Um, that's not what that said. As a matter of fact, God defined the terms and he said that the fowls of the air are the children of the, the devil, the evil one. And please take this the right way. If a church overgrows itself and lost people begin to lodge in its branches, that's a monstrosity. That's a bad thing, not a good thing. Meaning this, it is, it, you are able to understand that first parable by the sign that he gave explaining, if you will, the sower and the seed. He says, if you don't understand the first one, you're not going to understand any others, amen? And so if you will, if you, if you just tried to make these signs mean anything you want them to mean, they're going to be senseless, they're going to be meaningless, because uh, they're going to be of private interpretation. Then the Bible says that Scripture is given by God and is of no private interpretation. Meaning what? We should allow the one who wrote it to interpret it. The one who wrote it, of course, is God, and God gives us his Holy Spirit, and then we have the ability to understand by the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. And so we see, if you will, uh, that, that these signs are things that can be understood. Now notice who he gave it to. Um, the Bible says there, it says, um, the Bible says, and he sent, in, in verse 1 there, you see that? And he sent and signified it by his angel. Uh, I told you what signified meant, but I didn't tell you what sent meant. Folks, sent is that same word that when we talk about uh, an apostle, somebody who is sent out with uh, commission and with authority, okay? Well, if you will, that's the same word, apostello. It's the word, the word we get our word apostle from, okay? And so if you will, it's that, it's that same word. Now notice he gave this message, the Bible says at the, the end of verse 1, unto his servant John, his servant, the apostle John. <laughs> Uh, by the way, should we just assume who John is? There's a lot of Johns in the Bible. You might want to make sure. And I haven't said that. John the Baptist is already dead. And so, uh, uh, and so it's relatively easy to take and figure out which John he's talking about. But my whole point is this. He gives it to his servant John. And then the Bible says, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony or the witness of Jesus Christ. Meaning this, he was a faithful witness to take and to say, whatever Jesus said, that's what he wrote. Now, by the way, that ought to give us confidence in the inspiration of the Word of God. A lot of people, there's a lot of ways of understanding. There's what's called mechanical dictation inspiration, meaning God kind of took control of their hand and they went... And, and they got verses for that. The Bible says that, the, that the, the prophets desired to look into the things that they wrote. But please take this the right way. 
I, I don't think that's what he meant. Okay, he inspired them to write, and what they write what wrote was scripture. Meaning Jesus said, here's the message my father gave me. This is the message I want you to record. And he was a faithful witness to record it. Amen. Why is that so important, folks? Folks, we believe God wrote this book. We also believe God preserved this book. And so we can have confidence in this book, meaning what? Rather than questioning the word of God, when we can't understand something, we ought to say, Lord, help me to understand. Because it was written to be understood. Amen? And so, if you will, this message was given to uh, the apostle. Now, I, I love this next part, okay? The Bible says this in verse 3. Notice what it says. To give to us the blessed, if you will. Uh, it says, blessed is he that... You see what it says? Blessed is he that... What's blessed mean? You know, one way of translating that is happy. You'll be a happy person. You'll be, uh, you'll be happy to receive what this says, okay? Now, how many of y'all look at uh, the book of Revelation as a happy book? Be honest. Yeah, amen? No amen? Blank stares? <laughs> what are you asking, Pastor? Y'all look at it as a happy book? Happy ending. Very good. Amen. Yeah, blessed is. You know what? I will tell you this, it's real easy for us to get our eyes on the world and look at the mess our, 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 our world is in. I, I tell you one of the things that's grieving me more than anything right now is, um, I don't know how many of y'all know this, but most new homes today that are being built are being built to rent. And the reason for that is, is young people came up, can't come up with the down payments for the houses, y'all remember what down payment we were supposed to come up with when we bought our houses? Five, 10, 20, somewhere in there. Well, folks, take a three hundred to $500,000 house and get 10% on that. That's a lot of money. And we got kids today don't have enough discipline to save any of it. And so they can't afford any houses. They're not gonna have any equity when they get old. Hey, man. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, it's one way of Passing on wealth is your children inherit your house when you die. Amen. Well, they're not going to do that. They're going to pass on a rented house, maybe even bills, instead of an inheritance. Okay. I don't know why I got off on that. Yeah, I do. I do. You could read the book of Revelation and think, woe is me, and oh, this is terrible, and this is awful. But it's like you said, read the end of the book. Amen. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. We win in the end. Amen? And so what a glorious thing. And so blessed is he that reads. A person could take and get lost in the weeds. I actually had a, a, a long time ago, a long time ago, I had a family that uh, loved attending here. They, they said this. They said, we love the church. We love your preaching. They said, uh, uh, to be quite honest with you, they didn't want to be baptized, and they didn't have scriptural baptism. They didn't want to be baptized. And the biggest issues is they said, well, you don't preach enough on prophecy. They wanted me to preach on prophecy literally every service. I mean, they, they loved prophecy. And, and can I just tell you, I'm going to teach it and preach it and hopefully make it understandable. But it's not for the purpose of being sensational or exciting or anything like that. It's just so that we can be blessed by knowing Jesus Christ better. Isn't that the promise of verse 3? In verse 3 again, the Bible says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep the things which are uh, written therein, for the time is at hand. I want you to notice a couple things when he's talking about how to be blessed. He says, well, read it. Okay? Now, how many of y'all know how to read? Well, that's a very specific word. Okay? How many of y'all have read Revelation? How many of y'all understood it the first time you read it? <laughs> okay? Because that's what the word means. It means to read again and again and again. So you say, well, what does God want us to do? He wants us to read it until we understand it. He wants us to read it, if you will, until we get it. We, he wants us to read it until we're blessed by it. Amen. That's, that's what that word means. And so read. Don't just run your eyes. Read it so that you might know or understand. That is the significance of that word. And then the Bible says also those that hear the words of this prophecy. It means perceive what is being communicated. Uh, I, I want you to think about that. Uh, what is he telling us? He's saying if you read it and read it and read it, pretty soon you'll start to understand it and hear it. Listen, I'm not trying to be silly, but you can't hear a book. 
you guys. What that word here means is keep reading it until it comes to an, you come to an understanding of it, okay? Uh, I want you to see this. Go to, uh, go to uh, Matthew 13, if you will. Matthew chapter 13. I might have touched on this already, but let's look at it. Matthew chapter 13. And look at verse 13. Matthew 13, 13. The Bible says, Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear, and you shall not understand. And seeing you shall see, and not perceive. See, notice how hearing is, is equated with understanding. You all see that? The Bible says, For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Can I tell you this? You're not blessed by this book unless you actually read this book to understand this book. Amen. That's what it's saying right there. Uh, I turn, if we will, again, uh, go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Look at verse 18. And the Bible says, Open thou mine eyes that I may see, that I, excuse me, I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Uh, literally, I, I don't know about you, but have you guys ever been studying your Bible and, and uh, God will show you something, you just have to get out of your chair and do this for a minute? If you haven't, can I just tell you this? As a Christian, you should. Why? Because I'm telling you, the whole purpose behind reading and studying the Bible is so that God might bless us. It's okay to be a happy Christian. It's okay to be excited about the Word of God. Now, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm not goading you here, but if the Holy Spirit goads you, that's something else. How many of y'all actually open your Bible from Sunday to Sunday? And I say this lovingly. I'm not just talking about opening the devotional book that we give you. I mean, taking and reading one verse a day and meditating on that, can I tell you, that's a nice thing. That's kind of like eating breakfast. Any of y'all eat breakfast light? You know, you grab a granola bar or something like that. I'm going to let you a little secret. Breakfast is hash browns, bacon, fried. Come on now. Hey, man. You don't like that? Oh, yeah. There we go. See, we're getting charismatic here. Amen. Hey, <laughs> uh, please take this the right way. Um, a lot of us are living on snacks. And I'm not trying to be critical here. I'm just trying to preach the word of God. The Bible says you'll be blessed if you read to understand by hearing. Meaning this, you don't just run your eyes over the text. You actually take and read it long enough that God can speak to you. Any of y'all ever been spoken to by a, a devotion? A daily reading? I'll promise you this, there's times, and there's times where I say, Lord, I'm not going to stop reading until you show me something. I'm not going to stop reading until you give me a blessing. And I will tell you, those were some of the best times in my Christian walk, in my Christian life. I say this kindly, but only you could know. But do you actually read your Bible? There's a big difference between reading a verse for a devotion, because that's duty and obligation. But actually getting into a verse and studying it and say, God, I'm not going to stop until you give me an understanding. That is how we are happy in the Lord. That is how that we are blessed in the Lord. And that's what it means right here. We're not simply blessed by running our eyes. We are blessed by taking and trying to understand the message that God gives us in the book of Revelation. And so, if you will, let's, let's go back, if you will. Well, i got one more place. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Just go there. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse uh, 17. Ephesians 1, verse 17. And the Bible says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Amen. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Listen, God again is commending us to know and to have wisdom and to grow. And so if you will, who are, who are the blessed? The ones who read it, the ones who hear it, and the ones who, notice, go back to Re Revelation chapter 1. 
Look what it says again in verse 3. The Bible says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep. Amen. Keep literally means to watch as to guard or to keep from escaping. Meaning this, and this might sound silly. I think some of y'all know I have, tr I have trouble memorizing things, okay? But I, actually, I have good short-term memory. I have good short-term memory. It's just sometimes long-term memory uh, um, leaves me, okay? And have you ever desperately wanted not to forget something? And it, it sounds weird, but you, you take it in, you kind of want to plug your ears so it doesn't sneak out. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And so that's what God's saying. He's saying, when you actually take and read this, and do all you can to understand it. Make sure you don't lose it. Okay? Make sure that you don't lose it. Why? That's how you're going to be fully blessed. And so you're going to be fully blessed by, by reading it. And not just reading, but reading for understanding. And, and then hearing. And not just hearing, but if you will. So that you might actually know what you read. And then, of course, keeping it. The things that are written in the book of Revelation. The Bible says back in the text, for the time is at hand. Amen. By the way, not all things in the book of Revelation. But immediately after we get done re reading this, he begins revealing things that are happening. That which is, that which is, uh, that which has been, that which is, and that which is to come. Amen. So if you will, the has been things are already being revealed. Amen. We're going to see that here in just a moment or, or next week anyhow. But anyhow, the book itself will immediately begin to unfold. Now, the time for these promises, prophecies to be fulfilled is now. Notice what the Bible says. For the time is at hand. Amen? And, and so that helps us to understand how soon they're going to be uh, revealed. Now, notice in verse 4, because in verses 1 through 3, he talks about the revelation of Jesus Christ and how important it is. Now he's talking about, if you will, who he's addressing it to and who authored it. Okay? And so the, the addressees are the seven churches of Asia. Look what it says in verse 4. The Bible says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Now, can we take and figure out what those churches are? I mean, it doesn't take us uh, anything to go to chapters 2 and 3 and look and see. He was writing to the church at Ephesus and Smyrna, Pergamon, uh, Pergamon uh, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And I don't know if you've ever seen a, a map of those cities but there's a lot of ways we, we're talking about in how to study our Bible is you study the context, but sometimes you study why did God do things a certain way. And if you lay out these cities on a map, it starts out with Ephesus and it kind of goes in a circle like this until it comes all the way back around. And it's literally a circle of cities. OK, but having said that, uh, when we come to chapters two and three, the only way to understand those cities is in that order, because in that order, it makes sense historically of, uh, of church history from the time of Christ till now. And you can take and you can see the history as it goes through. And so God had a geographic reason for putting them in that order. And he had, if you will, a prophetic reason for putting them in that order. And here, here's something I've been trying to, uh, I, I, I'm going to kind of ruin the homework assignment I gave my, my class, but I think I already told them about this. Could you all go to... Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 22. You guys know this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Let's see if my memory's working here. So verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit, okay? Love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, help me. Long-suffering, meekness, temperance, or faith, Meekness and temperance. Faith, meekness, and temperance. How many of y'all think you could jumble up those words and still have the same meaning? The answer to that question is no. And so if God put love first, he meant to put love first. And if he put, he put joy second, he meant to put joy second. Y'all understand that? And one of the ways to understand those fruits of the Spirit is to compare them to the manifestations of the flesh. And the manifestations of the flesh are given in... in um, Verse 19. Look at verse 19, okay? And it starts out, if you will, adultery, fornication. Somebody give me the next one. <laughs> Uncleanness, okay? And da, 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 And there's 17 of them there. And if you will, at the very end of the list, it says, and such like, which I count as the 18th, okay? And I showed my class here today 
that, that there's nine fruits of the Spirit and there's 18 manifestations of the flesh. And how many of y'all are good enough at math to realize that 18 and 9 are related to each other? Okay? And so if you say, well, there's a relationship there. And, and so I had opportunity to preach this a number of years ago. And, and I was trying to preach a, a marriage conference about what true love is, okay? And I talked about the love that God wants us to manifest, and if you will, the substitute that Satan gives us. And folks, I didn't have to write it. God wrote it. What, what is the very first fruit of the Spirit it is? What is Satan's substitute? Just go to the first two names on the list. Adultery and fornication. Does that make sense to y'all? If you will, God says love, have a sacrificial love, have a, de have a dedicated love, have an emotional love for your wife. And Satan says, no, you just want the exciting stuff. So practice adultery and fornication. And that's Satan substitutes. Now, folks, if it works for love, I, I will promise you this. If you want to do a fun study, it also works for joy and peace and goodness and gentleness. Okay. And you'll go through there and you'll actually understand those fruits of the spirits better by showing you what Satan offers for a substitute in those areas. I'm not saying it's an easy study because it's a difficult, it took, took, took me a couple weeks to be quite honest with you. But my whole point is this, is God, if he says a word, he means the word. If he put it in that order, he means that order. Okay. And so, if you will, that is another way to open up our understanding of the book of Revelation. Just read it the way God wrote it. Amen? And, and, and take and get the message that he is intending to communicate. And so we see it was written to the seven churches, chosen no doubt for their usefulness in communicating a message that was to come. Look at what the Bible says in Revelation 1 and verse 19. Revelation 1 verse 19, it says, Write these things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The things that you've seen is the revelation of Jesus Christ that we'll look at at our next, at our next lesson, how he revealed himself as the Alpha and the Omega, uh, if you will. And, uh, and then the things that are, the seven churches, okay? Those, those are seven churches that, how do we know that they are? As he says, that's who he addressed the letter to, okay? So he, they have to exist for him to write the letter to him, amen? And then the things which shall come, I believe the things that come happen between uh, verses 6 and following. Those are all the things that come. Uh, so anyhow, we, we see that. And so we see that, that uh, God communicates to these churches for a reason, so that we might understand the revealing of Jesus Christ to us. Now notice how he starts his letter. Go back uh, to uh, verse 4, okay, chapter 1, verse 4. And the Bible says this, it says, Grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ. Okay, and I'll, for sake of time I'll stop there. First thing I want you to notice is the standard grieving, uh, greeting that is given to this church. It says grace and peace. Uh, can anybody tell me the standard greeting for a Jewish person? Shalom. Anybody know what shalom means? means peace. And so grace and peace is half of the church because the church is now composed not just of Jews but also of Gentiles. And the Gentiles would say grace, grace, charis, or charis, okay? And so grace to you, grace to you. And, and the Jews would say peace to you. And so folks get a hold of this. This is Jews and Gentiles in one body. Amen. And so he says, grace and peace. Amen. And then he talks about who sent those letters. If you, if you ever want to do an interesting study, go through and look at the greetings in different letters, because that is a standard format. For sake of time, I'm going to move on. Okay. But the form of it is this. It's designed to be inclusive so that, so that Greeks and Jewish believers are included in it. Now, notice who offers the greeting. In verse 4 again, look what the Bible says. It says, and from, uh, uh, from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ. Now, notice this. The apostle is writing by inspiration, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, please forgive me, I don't even remember what I wrote what I meant by that. 
who is he which is and which was and is to come? Now, the first inclination is to say Jesus, isn't it? One thing that we need to remember is this, folks. Is Jesus Christ God? Who created the heavens and the earth? God who? God Christ? Was the Holy Spirit involved? The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Okay? And so, God singular is usually associated with who we call God the Father now. Okay? God the Father. And was God the Son involved on the day of creation? He already said Christ was. We know that from John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. Amen? Well, who is the Word? Well, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of God. Oh, that's Christ. That's Christ. Amen? Was the Holy Spirit involved on the day of creation? He was, because in verse 2, the Bible says, The Spirit moved upon the face of the waters. That's talking about the Spirit of God. So who was involved on the day of creation? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Okay? You know, there's many people who have abandoned the doctrine of the Trinity. And the reason is because they say the word Trinity is not in your Bible. Well, please take this the right way. There's a lot of words that we use regularly that are not directly in the Bible. But the doctrine and the truth is there. Does God exist as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? And just to make a point of it, the Bible says this revelation is from God, but the Father gave it to the Son. And by the way, how did, when he sent his angel, later he's writing by inspiration of God. The Bible says the holy men of old spake as they were moved of the... Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, amen? And so if you will, uh, the Bible says that the, the Word of God was written by agency of the Holy Spirit of God, amen? Well, here's, here's the thing. We then know, uh, here's, here's my point. When it says, He which is and which was and which is to come, that is used for Christ. But it's also used for God the Father, amen? And it, of course, would apply to the Holy Spirit. Notice, the reason that's important by the way, help me now. Y'all believe in Trinity? Okay. Because I, I believe this, it also helps us to understand who we are. Because the Bible says we're created in His likeness and image, and we are a triune being also. We're body, soul, and spirit. Amen? And so, uh, by the way, I, I was rebuked here recently by a preacher that uh, said it never says body, soul, and spirit. I think it says uh, uh, soul, spirit, and body. Okay, I always get those back, backwards. But anyhow, uh, Help me now. Who are the seven spirits which are before his throne? Seven spirits before his throne. Now, folks, I just gave you a clue. But who are the seven spirits that are before his throne? See, everybody knew the answer to the first one. <laughs> Go to the next verse. Who does it talk about there? End of... No, no, and I'm not trying to confuse you. The Bible talks about Jesus Christ, does it not? And so if you will, it says, He which is and which was and which is to come, God, the Father, and then we have God, the Son, and then we have seven spirits in the middle. Well, please take this the right way. It's using an image. Remember how he sent and he signified it? He sent by a sign. You say, well, how do you, how do you know that's the Holy Spirit? It's because he has used that sign before, Okay. Go, if you will, to the book of uh, Zechariah, I believe. Let me see here. Yeah, go to Zechariah chapter 3. Look at verse 9. Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 9. And the Bible says it this way. It says... Uh, by the way, verse 8 says, I bring forth my servant the branch. Folks, that's God the Son. That's Jesus. And it says, For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the graving thereof, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity from the land in one day. He's talking about a stone with seven eyes. What in the world? Seven eyes. Uh, go, if you will, to Zechariah chapter 4 and look at verse 10. In Zechariah chapter 4, and verse 10, it says, For who shall despise the day of small things? For they shall rejoice, and they shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel, with whose seven they are the eyes of the, what's the Bible say there? The eyes of the Lord, which run to and fro through the whole earth. Well, folks, think about this. If God the Father and God the Son are in heaven, 
who, who, who was sent. Folks, I just told you this. Remember on the day of creation, remember the Holy Spirit moved upon the face of the deep. Who's the one that's sent to the earth? Who's the one that moves? Who's the one who are the eyes and ears? When we say God is everywhere, who are we talking about? We're talking about God the Spirit, amen? And so if you will, we, we see that you can go back and you can see from comparing Scripture with Scripture how that the seven eyes and, if you will, the seven spirits and, and the seven, by the way, how many... Uh, uh, well, no, don't let me go there. Um, go, uh, if you will, look at Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Look at verse 1. It says, And unto the angel of the church of Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. By the, the seven stars are the seven preachers, okay? But uh, the seven spirits of God... And we saw the seven spirits or the seven eyes or the seven whatever of God is relating to the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, look at chapter 4, Revelation chapter 4, look at verse 5. And the Bible says, And out of the throne proceedeth lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, say it with me, which are the seven spirits of God. You all see that? And so it's talking about, if you will, a manifestation of the person of God. And that person of God is one that comes to the earth and moves to and fro about the earth. That's the Holy Spirit, okay? Look one more place. Look at Revelation chapter 5. Look at verse 6. And the Bible says, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain. By the way, this is the throne of God, folks. Who's the lamb? I mean, that's easy, isn't it? That's Jesus, okay. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. You see that? And so comparing Scripture with Scripture becomes less and less difficult. Is it still a sign? Yes. Is it still a little bit difficult? Yes. Can it be discerned? Yes, okay. And so, if you will, just because of that whole formula, all right? Remember how a minute ago I said that if you look at the seven fruit uh, manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit... And then you can look at the 18 manifestations of the, of, of the flesh, if you will, that you could take and you can make a one-to-one -one comparison, and it only makes sense if you keep them in the order. Well, folks, when it talks about God the Father and it talks about God the Son, it only makes sense to have God the Spirit right there in the middle of that, okay? And so you have God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son, Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, uh, back in chapter 1, look at verse 5, who is Jesus Christ? The Bible says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness? Meaning what? Whatever God told him, he told him exactly. He told John exactly what God the Father told him. You remember when Jesus came? Jesus said this. He said, the words that I speak are not my words, but my Father which sent me. And, and so if you will, you see that, that Jesus is a very faithful. Uh, by the way, who does the Holy Spirit speak of? Does he speak of himself? No, so anytime you see somebody magnifying the Holy Spirit of God, you've got to be careful about that. Why? Because the whole ministry of the Holy Ghost is to magnify Christ. Amen. And, and, and so uh, you see that there, if you will. Uh, the Bible says he is a faithful witness. You can believe what he is telling us. Aren't you glad that we can have a faithful word, amen, and have confidence? Not only that, the Bible says he is the first begotten of the dead. Uh, this is why that you can believe in him. Meaning what? Well, folks, he said, I'm going to give you the sign. And uh, I will tell you this. We saw it this morning. Jesus resurrecting Lazarus from the dead. Impressive. Y'all with me? You know what's more impressive? Resurrecting yourself. Resurrecting yourself. And so he's saying this. He says, if you want to have confidence, he says, listen, I am the first begotten of the dead. I kept my word about that. If I kept my word about that, I'll keep my word about this. Amen. He is a faithful witness. The Bible says that he is a prince of kings. That literally means he's the chiefest of all the kings. The king of kings. He's the ultimate authority. And then in verses 6 and 7, he says he is the only savior. Only savior. Folks, anybody that says that there's more than one way to salvation is lying to themselves and they're making God a liar. The Bible says in verses 6 and 7 uh, that he is our only Savior, having loved us unto death. Meaning what? Well, that's that propitiation. He died for our sins, not for his own. Resulting in what? Well, he saved us, verse 6. 
Uh, he saved us. He made us to be kings and priests, even unto God, even his father. Uh, and then rejoicing because of his saving us. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Listen, what should be our result? We ought to, listen, I don't know about you, but we ought to thank the Lord for our salvation every day. Amen. Praise the Lord. And then warning those who refuse to be saved. Look what the Bible says in verse 7. The Bible says here, it says this. It says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which, what's the Bible say? I'm going to let you in a little secret, folks. You pierced him. Then why aren't you afraid of him? Because the Bible would tell us later in the book of Revelation, Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Even so, come quickly. Well, I'll tell you why. He was, he was bruised for our sins. He was wounded for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are. Amen. And so if you will, uh, we're not terrified. That's our Savior. But folks, anybody that says that Jesus only died for the saved doesn't understand that verse. Because the Bible says they pierced him. Folks, how did they pierce him? Well, their sins were upon him. Folks, he was only pierced because of their sins. And folks, the Bible, I just, uh, I don't understand. Somebody would say, well, God only died for the redeemed. Well, no. God's not willing that any should perish, and he proved it by dying for everyone. And here's the sad tragedy. He is coming. He is the King of Kings. Amen. And the sad thing is we're going to be rejoicing when he comes again. But those who pierced him and didn't receive him as Savior are going to look upon him in terror. And folks, that's kind of how the book ends. In a, I mean, until the, the promises of heaven start to be fulfilled. Folks, I'm telling you, we can understand the book of Revelation. I pray that this would just be an opening taste for that. And I would encourage you, get in there and read it for yourself. This will be a much more profitable study for you if you get in there and read it. And then as I teach it, you go, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Oh, I didn't see that. I need to study that some more. And I pray that this will be a blessing and an encouragement for you all. Let's all stand if you would.